You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. My goodness, it's almost football time in Tennessee time. Everybody get excited right now time. Tennessee is undefeated right now time. Hope springs eternal time. Beautiful Friday morning time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols. 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on the aforementioned beautiful Friday morning here. Sunny, beautiful Friday morning here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Just a couple of miles, maybe 1.9 miles or so as the crow flies from Neyland Stadium where now just six days from now, the day we're recording this, the day we're, we're releasing this, just six days from now, it will be football time in Tennessee as Tennessee hosts the Bowling Green Falcons at 8 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, September 2nd. Game be broadcast by SEC Network. Going to be a bunch of fans in the stands. Going to be a fun environment. We are looking forward to it very, very much. How are you this morning, guys? I hope you're well. hope everything in your life is is going well. I hope you're you're avoiding the uh, all the COVID stuff that's going around. Hope hope people who have it, it's not too bad. Hope we're not spreading it too much because we are so close to getting to football season and just just want to get through this one. Remember where we were. Remember where we were not that long ago. Games being played without fans or with just a few fans. Just we don't we don't want that stuff. So everybody keep staying safe. Hope you're doing well in your world though. I hope you are safe. If you have the virus, I hope it's not going too badly. And I uh, hope we are all doing Okay, got a lot going on in this episode, and, and thankfully for y'all, you're not just going to have to hear me. This is actually a, a really fun, really fun show that we're working on today. Uh, we got Josh Pate uh, tw- from 24/7 Sports. He hosts the the Late Kick for us a few times a week there at 24/7 Sports on the uh, on the, the 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 social feeds there, and on um, certainly on on you know Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that. You, you've got the stuff with. Um, uh, with the the video stuff that he does on the site, uh, just a guy who you know just a few years ago was doing uh, kind of an independent college football show down in Columbus, Georgia, and now he is doing a lot of things for us. He's been a wonderful addition to our network. This guy is, as our our former boss called him, a uh, superstar in the making in this in- industry. And I think when you listen to him, if you're not already familiar with him, and you just get familiar with him based on this episode, I think you'll you'll really like Josh Pate. He's a guy who. Just kind of just lives, breathes, eats, sleeps college football, uh, specifically I guess SEC football, but not just that, some other stuff as well. Um, but we talked with Josh about a lot of fun things uh, about, about Tennessee this season, about Josh Heupel uh, in general, kind of what hire was that for Tennessee, where things are in the program, the future of the Tennessee program. So we got into sort of the nitty gritty, chopping it up a little bit with this season and what to expect from Tennessee this season. Um, but more than that, because we all know Tennessee's not really a championship contender right now. That's just where the program is. We, we talked about sort of the the Tennessee football program in general with a guy like Heupel in charge 
um, and, and even just in general, just where Tennessee football is, where it could go. Josh, uh, you'll be interested to know, like me, as someone who believes that Tennessee is sort of dormant right now but not extinct, which I think is in a very, very important distinction and a distinction that, that he understands, which I think is good because it's important to note the difference in, well, you're not where you want to be as a program right now, but you're, you're, you're not extinct. You're just you're, you're, you're lying there dormant. You need someone to, you know, you, you need a generation of players. You need a, the right coach to kind of lift things up and get them back going. And then all of a sudden you're, you're cooking with gas again. So the, there's lots and lots to be excited about on that front. And I think you all are going to enjoy hearing from them. So what I'm going to do now is go ahead and step out of the way, and I'm going to get to the first part of my conversation with Josh Pate. Joined now by Josh Pate, the uh, the one, the only Josh Pate, the guy who, if you are a twenty four seven sports subscriber, or if you're just a college football fan these days, a guy that you've probably seen and heard from quite a bit. He's a national college football guy here at twenty four seven Sports. Also hosts the late Kick, the late kick uh, daily there on uh, the YouTube feed and on twenty four seven Sports feed. All that good stuff. Josh, how are you doing, my man? I'm good because we're recording on a Friday, and so this is the time of the week where. I can disappear off the face of the earth for about three or four hours and no one here at 24 seven really knows where I go. It just so happens I'm on the balls 24 seven pod right now, but after this, there's no telling I could end up anywhere. Wes. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause uh, you know, we, uh, a couple of my coworkers are usually at games on Friday nights and, you know, Friday is like the one time for a college football, right? And this goes back for the longest time for a college football, you know, B guy or columnist as I am now, you know, Fridays for the college football season, generally speaking, are like the only day where you don't usually have much to worry about. Because, you know, sometimes you're you're checking on, okay, is this injured guy going to play or not? So you're checking with people on that. Generally speaking, though, um, you know, the whether it's a home game or an away game, okay. the players are in, in a hotel – they're, they're sequestered away, you know, you don't have to worry about anything. It's like you're kind of – your day, you know? Yeah, uh, from the local news days, you appreciate you appreciate Fridays so much more because in the local news days, it was cover high school football, which I love to do, but cover it. We got off air at 11.34 and 30 seconds. That's what time the newscast ended. Yep. Then you go home, get three hours of sleep, and then get up and get on the road at like 4 o'clock in the morning to go cover a college football game somewhere minimum of three hours away. The lucky thing about being in Columbus, Georgia, was I could go to Tennessee or I could go to Georgia or I could go to Bama, but they were all three or four hours away. So it was an early start every Saturday. Yeah, that was kind of the deal. When I lived in Chattanooga for a couple of years, no matter where you were going, it was a couple of hours. Um, but you could get anywhere in a couple of hours, so it's mostly mostly the same thing. But, Josh, you know, but back when you know I, I first started doing this thing, in, in all candor, when I first started uh, covering Tennessee, which was, uh, see, I'm 38 now, would have been 20 years ago, uh, Tennessee was a much different national story from what it is now. That's just the fact, right? You can We can dance around it, and, and we could – put it in a nice way, but let's just call it what it is. Tennessee as a national storyline, not what it was uh, at, at that time. Things have just changed. The Vols have kind of gotten in their own way a few times. It, it's been a mess. Uh, they are where they are now. As someone who who covers, uh, you know, a lot of college football, you know, specifically been around the SEC for a long time, but but covers the whole deal now, where, where do you see the, the national perspective of Tennessee right now? Because Tennessee – Still got that ridiculous fan base, still got that ridiculously large fan base, still got all that tradition, has not won in a while. So so where's the where's the national perception of Tennessee? It's Mount St. Helens. And that's the way I perceive them. It's Mount St. Helens. The first time I walked in our office when I got hired here, 
the first day, you know, I had the introductory stuff and I went through onboarding with HR, which took like a week in a day. But then when we were having our first meeting and someone just randomly asked me, hey, like, what would be the perfect scenario for you in the 2020 season? And I said, for Tennessee to erupt, I mean, to use another uh, geological reference, for Tennessee to erupt. And so they said, why? Well, I was thinking back to a year before where the LSU fan base had certainly not been through nearly as long a drought. I mean, they had been much better on average. But when 2019 happened for LSU, if you just look selfishly for a second, if you just look at pure traffic, if you just look at pure audience trends, the entire fan base exploded. But what happened, Wes, is people outside of Baton Rouge cared about that LSU team. People outside of the fan base cared about them. They really transcended just the usual barriers of what a brand is. And that's just, you know, the fan base. And so all of a sudden, LSU became this regional and even national brand that year. Tennessee is that. Tennessee is a, a St. Helens of sorts that has had plenty of eruption back in the day, but has been dormant. Just It's the important thing to note, though. There's a big difference between dormancy and extinction. And I don't think Tennessee's extinct at all. And what I said the first day I walked in was, I'd love to see Tennessee explode. That is the next fan base that's still there, but the next brand that I think could could resonate more on a regional or national level if someone was there and if someone had national appeal and who did it right. Now, if you live in Johnson City, Tennessee, and all you care about is Tennessee winning, none of that stuff really matters. But it kind of does matter when you think about what Tennessee would have to do in recruiting to return to that level, which would be a more regional to even a national approach, which they did under Phil Fulmer, too. But that's how I view them. I think maybe I'm different than some people. I think some people look at Tennessee. This is where I get kind of, to be honest, kind of worked up when I'm talking about them. I think some people look at them and they say, oh, that's no different than Nebraska. That's just a brand that was big at one time. That's a team that was good at one time. But you know, the game has passed them by. Well, I may agree with half that. I may agree with the Nebraska aspect of that. I, I wholeheartedly dismiss that notion with Tennessee entirely. There is nothing about what it takes to win in today's game that that program isn't capable of. They're not doing it right now, but that doesn't mean they're not capable of it. So I think that's where the perception is. And I may differ a little bit because I just I have a higher standard that I think they can meet than maybe most of the rest of the country does. But I mean, I think I'm right, so I'm not going to back off of it. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to put it, and, and I think there's also a way to look at it in in terms of, of the interesting part of it is the city of Nashville, the mid-state area especially, has grown so much you know, in the past 20 you know, years. It, it, it's interesting that things have happened with Tennessee the way they have despite that. Uh, and now you look at it, to be honest, just the level of football they're playing in East Tennessee right now. I mean, last night you had, for instance, like a Powell and Maryville game on Thursday night. And, you know, just the, the players that you had on both of those teams, you're like, huh, it's just different now. Uh, the Knoxville Catholic, where I went to high school, produces a ton of prospects every year now. Uh, obviously, Maryville's producing kids. Alcoa's producing kids. You know, you, 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 now you got the, the nation's number one players at Powell High School, for goodness sake. There, there's just there, – there's a lot – there's a lot going on in this state right now. Never be Texas, never be Florida, never be California in that way, I think, or Louisiana. Everyone understands that. Never be Georgia. But I think the level of talent that it's producing will help Tennessee, especially as soon as Tennessee can kind of get itself kick-started down a path. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think it's fair to say. And I, I think also the approach that I choose to have with Tennessee is not to 
look at the talent in the state. Like, for instance, I think the state of North Carolina could be a lot more prosperous for Tennessee than the city of Memphis. I don't care what state they're in, uh, because when we talk to recruits, you know this, um, a lot of folks have, I think, been slow to react to this. But, man, it's amazing what technology has meant for what state lines mean. They just don't mean as much anymore. Yeah. It went to a kid. Now, if you're if you're 45 years old, you're in a different era. If you're 60 years old, that sounds crazy. But to 18 year olds, they are they're in constant communication every day, both in their social life and elsewhere with people who live in Salem, Oregon and uh, Sacramento, California. And it's just like they're next door. And so what that means is it's nothing for a kid from Little Rock, Arkansas to pick up and go to Knoxville, Tennessee. It's just not a big deal anymore. And so. What I choose to do with Tennessee is I choose to draw like, let's say, a six hour radius around the campus instead of just looking at where the state lines end. And I've always done that. And it gets me into Atlanta. It gets me into the Carolinas. It obviously takes up the entire state of Tennessee. I get into northern Alabama. I get into southern Ohio, up into the Virginia area. There's a national championship team in that footprint every single year to be recruited. So I, I have always, as of late at least, I've always heartily dismissed this notion that well, there's not enough talent in the state of Tennessee. But even if that was the argument, you just made the counterpoint. Uh, there's there's quite a bit of talent in the state of Tennessee. Yeah, and it seems like the, the, that that's the before I get into talking about this team. I think that's one misconception is, and I don't blame people for for having this misconception in some ways because Tennessee's not been elite in a while, but. I think when you talk to people who are, you know, maybe from different parts of the country, a couple things they don't know. They don't know that, that Knoxville is a metro area of about a million people now. Um, they don't realize the size of the city and how much that helps, not just football, but the other programs at Tennessee in terms of getting fans there every day. It's just a big deal. I, I ask the other UT, you know, it helps. It helps. It really does. And the other thing is the location. I don't think people realize that you can be – uh, just about what is it? They, they've always put in their media guide, and it's true. Something like two thirds of the nation's population within a day's drive. It's just because of where they are geographically. Some people have always seen it as a negative. I've not always seen it that way because you can get just about anywhere you need to go. Well, you also don't talk to people who have been in Knoxville or just that portion of the country for the last weekend when they come back home and ever hear anyone complain. When people come to that portion of the country, no one comes back and says, it just didn't deliver for me. The only time you ever really hear people hate on that portion of the country is before they've gone, which I think speaks in and of itself to what we're talking about. Yeah. And in terms of, of Josh, th this Tennessee team, I, I, I know that, you know, I, I, I do my best now. I, I try not to... I, I've kind of I don't I don't think cynical is the right way. Some people will call it cynical. I don't call it that. I I think it's more just kind of prove it to me mode um, because we've seen so many. You know, it's been kind of a this coach is here, this coach is gone. You know, this quarterback's supposed to be good, he, then he ends up not being that good. You know, just just one disappointment sort of after another. And, and, and so right now Tennessee's in a situation where I try to remind people: listen, um, you know, preseason is the time where everybody gets excited right it's like you go through a progression Tennessee goes three and seven last season so in spring you know and then you you have more players go to the portal than anybody else you have uh, some of your best players leave some some of them go to the NFL some to other teams and, and so you start going into a year with the new coach and all this saying man just a ball game would be really nice just if they could get to six and six 
and, and then you see spring practice and you're like, well, maybe maybe they can get to seven wins. And and then by the time preseason camp starts, you're talking yourself into like eight wins. And you, you know how it is, Josh. You, you know what fans do, and that's why we love the sport. But, you know, they start talking themselves into thinking, hey, you know, the, 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 this could be a much better team than you think. And, and it, it, it's a problem because – and I think even people who cover college football teams can do this because you watch these guys practice on a daily basis and you see them improve from spring to preseason camp and you tell yourself, man, these guys are looking pretty good without registering that everybody else in the country is getting better too and they were at a better starting point. So long way of asking a question, what do you expect from Tennessee? How do you feel like this marriage between Josh Heupel and the program that he has now, the players that he has now, what just sort of before we get into the the nitty gritty, what sort of basic expectations do you have for Tennessee? Well, I'm glad you used the word marriage. I think it's really important. I think it may even be something that's lost on on some of the Tennessee fan base because I've got some of them in my family. And when I've mentioned the point I'm about to make to you to them, they say, ah, I didn't really think about it that way. Maybe I should be a lot more positive and upbeat. It's not to me, Wes, at least it's not about in a year one, what your record is, but it's a bottom line business. And so we all want to talk wins and losses, yeah. but we need to remember something that the transfer portal has been a very, very big story. There have been a lot of guys choose to leave Tennessee and you can be upset about that. I mean, it is what it is. You can't change it, but I really think we need to probably pause and observe and reflect a lot more on the folks who chose Tennessee during this time because yeah. Josh Heupel chose Tennessee in a time and place where not a lot of people were choosing Tennessee. So that is the very, very important backdrop because if you're thinking forwardly and you're thinking several years down the road, if this works out, I mean, that that paints such a different tapestry with which his regime will work in front of than other fan bases where you may have a coach that you know up front is kind of a mercenary. And if he comes in there and wins, he comes in there and wins. But there's not really that that interwoven him and the fabric of the community and the program sort of deal. Well, you can have that and you can rest assured that the motives are pure because Josh Heupel chose Tennessee. So then secondly, you need to look at the guys from the portal who chose Tennessee. Those would be my favorite players on this team this year. The guys who stuck around ditto. Now, of course I just described the entire team, sure. but you're going to move forward and you're going to have recruiting classes and, and you're going to add on layers. And especially if Tennessee wins, you'll add on more impressive and thicker layers. But I just hope that it's not lost on the fan base. This, this backbone, this kind of baseline or foundation, if you will, it's very important. I think back you know, to a guy that we now consider the best of all time, and Nick Saban, and how I tie this into this year's Tennessee team. You know, that first year at Bama, they barely made a bowl game. They were a 7-6 and six team. But there were, there were bright spots. There were spikes in that year. One of them was against Tennessee, actually. Yeah, yeah, and so what I would, would, what I would look them. at yeah. – yeah, onside kick to start the game, if I, if I recall correctly. Mm -hmm. And so you can go, you can struggle to make a bowl game and still have a successful year in year one. What you have to be able to do is you have to have a moment or two that you can package and you can sell as a vision, not only to your donor class and to your fan base, but you got to be able to sell it to prospective athletes. You got to be able to say, look, Jimmy, I know what the record is, but it doesn't tell the whole story. If you'll look at this, you know, Nick Saban was able to go into the living room of Julio Jones and say seven and six. Yeah. Okay. 
I'll win with you or I'll win without you. But if you want a little sneak peek at what our future is going to be, look at this Tennessee game. You know, look at this Arkansas game early in the year. Look at how we hung with Georgia. Uh, The Bama team was competitive in some games before they ran out of gas. That's what I want to be able to do. If I'm Josh Heupel, I want to be able to find a couple of moments. Even if the season is six and six or five and seven, I want to find moments that I can take. And I say, you see this little blip on the radar screen? That blip can be the norm if we've got a roster full of guys like you. I just got here 15 minutes ago. I don't have that roster yet. I got to make it. And then you start selling Knoxville. Then you start selling Tennessee. Then you start reminding people of what once was, and there's no reason it can't be again. That is success in year one, independent of what record is. If you've got the moments and you've got the vision you can sell, that is success in year one. Yeah, there was an idea I wanted to to, to bounce off you, Josh, and this is something that, that that I've talked about for a few Tennessee coaches now, and, and it's more of a certainly more of a macro question, you know, than, than than a micro question. But thinking about, you know, when Jeremy Pruitt was at Tennessee, and, and I even said this to Jeremy Pruitt, I talked to him about it a couple of times actually. Was I I, I thought, and, and and I'm not sure that in the long run he couldn't have figured out a way to to win at Tennessee. I think the way he could identify talent, there were just some things about being a head coach uh, for a first time. I think that he needed to learn, and a couple of mistakes he needed to get out of the way, and, and then sort of get over that and move on. But but from a macro perspective, the one thing that gave me pause, and I and I was someone who had Pruitt on the list to begin with when Tennessee hired him. Uh, so I, I was totally fine with that hire. The one big question I had, well, there were two. One was they'd never been a head coach before at any level. But the second one was I'm not sure that if you're Tennessee, the best way for you to get back to relevancy and then and then success is to do exactly what Alabama and Georgia do but try to do it better than them because I don't know that you're going to be able to recruit consistently at a higher level than them for a while. Now, if you start winning a bunch, hey, maybe the the calculus changes. But I don't think that you can go from looking at the same pool of players and them maybe getting a little bit better degree than you um, in terms of the average player and then trying to just go beat them at their own game. I think someone like Heupel is that kind of offense a little bit different. I think that's the easier path for Tennessee, right? It's the same argument that's said for years – if you're Vanderbilt, why don't you run a triple option, you know, a service academy offense? You know, why don't you do something different where you can get a different kind of player and you can compete with the big boys? And I don't think Tennessee ever needed to do anything that crazy, but I'm just saying in terms of the way they play the game, that tempo offense, that spread it out, use all, you know, nine, you know, use the entire width of the field, go up tempo, do a little bit of different tweaking defensively. I think that's a better bet for Tennessee to get itself back into the picture. Is that is that is that crazy talk or, or do you disagree with that? What do you, what do you think? What do you think about that? Well, no, I totally agree with it. You need look no further than last year. Last year, we saw the best team in the country, probably the best team Saban's had at Alabama face Jeremy Pruitt, one of his former assistants at Tennessee. And then he faced Lane Kiffin, one of his other former assistants at Ole Miss, which setting do you think made him 10 times more uncomfortable than the other? Yeah. And if you look at it that way, then I think we're making your point. And I, I've always wondered for programs like Arkansas when they're hitting the reset button, programs like South Carolina when they're hitting the reset button, I'd be looking for one of two things. I'd either be looking for a way to do it like you just said. Don't try and out Georgia, Georgia. Don't try and out Bama, Bama. You got to find a different way to do it or all things equal. They're not equal. They're going to run over you. Or secondly, 
find someone, I think like South Carolina and like Arkansas have done in their most recent hires, find a seamless culture fit, find the puzzle piece fit, and then just hope the rest of the things fall into place. I think North Carolina has done this with Mac Brown very effectively. And a lot of people snickered at that hire, but they found the culture fit. And then the theory would be, if we get the culture fit right, there's so much synergy. It's intangible. You can't quantify it, but things will start to fall into place. We'll get subsequently the right hires in here from a coordinator and an assistant level, and then things will take care of themselves. So everything is remains to be seen on those fronts. But with Tennessee, I think they went the first route, which doesn't mean you can't have a good cultural fit along with it. But I think they're going the first route. And I don't you know, I think probably nationally that hire of Josh Heupel was probably met with a yawn. I think probably in the coaching world for teams that have to face Tennessee, they were probably a little more aggravated with it because they know, well, man, now we're going to have to defend something we didn't really want to have to worry about. And that's really what you're looking for to gauge your hire. How uncomfortable did you make your opponents? That was the first part of our conversation with Josh Pate talking Tennessee football, talking SEC football, talking all kinds of other good things. Uh, maybe a, a slightly awkward point there to end it, but that was that was sort of the midway point uh, of our conversation. So I went ahead and, and cut it there. And what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to play the second half of it in just a second. Before we do that, though, got to step away for just a minute, pay some bills, listen to some products, services, in-house ads, other fun things, and then we will get right back to it here on the Go Vols twenty four seven podcast. Hashtag ad ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage with over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on just a beautiful Friday morning here in God's Zone, Knoxville, Tennessee. Talking Tennessee football, of course, in this edition of the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Speaking with Josh Pate, uh, 24-7 sports Josh Pate, who hosts uh, the Late Kick for us there nationwide as a network. 
uh, does a great job with that thing a few times a week. Uh, you see him all the time on the, the video stuff on top of our stories. Uh, you, you see a lot of his insight in, in podcasts across our network and other video platforms across our network. Just a, a really good dude, first off, and also a dude who really knows his stuff when it comes to college football. And he and I spoke for a while about Tennessee and about the SEC, about all sorts of things. And that's what we're doing with this episode. Um, we're going to get right back to that here in just a second. But before we do that, just a quick reminder, guys, if you could take about 90 seconds out of your day right now and go in there and subscribe to this podcast, that would help. If you're just listening on the website, we love you. There's nothing wrong with that. We're happy you're here. There is, it's like Ron Swanson with alcohol, right? There's, there's no wrong way to consume alcohol. There's no wrong way to consume the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. So if you're just listening on the website, no problem. But but if you could go in there uh, in your, your smartphone, your, your tablet, your computer, laptop, whatever you got there, go in there in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod, you can find this Go Balls 24-7 podcast. And it would really help us out if you go in there and rate and review and you hit that subscribe button. There, there's nothing else you can do out there. We do this for free. And, and we're happy to do it. We, we, we don't complain about it at all. We are happy. We, we love. It's a labor of love doing this thing for free. And the only thing we ask for is that you go in there and rate and review this podcast and you hit that subscribe button. That helps us find, uh, that helps the, the algorithms find other Tennessee fans out there, other sports fans, other SEC fans, and helps us add more wolves to our wolf pack. So tell your friends and family for sure that that good old-fashioned way works. Uh, but also rating and reviewing and hitting the subscribe button, that helps us too. So please do that. That would help us a lot, and we would really appreciate it. Now, right back to it, guys. Here's the second part of my conversation with Josh Pate talking Tennessee football. The the way we left it there after the first segment, we're talking about sort of the hire of Josh Heupel and the way he plays offense and, and whether you have to, as Tennessee these days, do something a little bit different from the Georgias and the Alabamas of the world in order to sort of narrow that talent gap and kind of get things back to a more competitive front going forward. So that's where we left this conversation, and that's exactly where we'll pick it right back up. So here's the second part of my conversation with Josh Pate. And I think that's I think that offense can make people uncomfortable. You look at what he did at Missouri. You know, I don't have the numbers right in front of me. A good professional would do that, but I don't have those in front of me this morning. So I know that they went from you know roughly you know the nineties one hundreds nationally in total offense to like thirteenth the first year he was there as coordinator. Let's throw a caveat out there. He did have Drew Locke. He had an NFL quarterback, and everyone knew when Drew Locke was a freshman because I remember going to Columbia, Missouri, and saying that Missouri team's not very good. But that quarterback could be something. Man, that guy that guy has all the pieces. That guy could be a good player. And you just kind of saw that. So you give him, you know, an NFL quarterback and and all of a sudden, you know, things look a little bit different. Now they had to change the O-line. They had to do a whole bunch of different things, bring in some guys. But um, basically they just revamped that thing at the snap of a finger. Don't know if that's going to happen in Tennessee, but I know Josh Heupel's offense is everywhere he's gone. Even when things at Oklahoma didn't go great, uh, the one year where he parted ways with Stoops, there were just some philosophical disagreements and things there. They were only like 20th nationally in offense, so they weren't like terrible. They just weren't at that prolific level for that that one season. So, But I, I just always believe that because Tennessee, until they change the SEC system where you're maybe you're playing nine games, maybe you're in a pod, maybe you're, you're doing things differently – Tennessee's the only team in the SEC East that has to play Alabama every year. And until Nick Saban leaves Alabama, that means Tennessee is starting every season in the hole. You know, I mean, not saying that you have to give that game up as a loss every year and say there's no way to win it, but you're going into every season basically right now with an 0-1 record in league play. And so you have to overcome quite a bit to compete because you're you're starting the game, but you're starting the season behind the eight ball. 
that's just kind of how it is. And, and I'm not saying that you you set your benchmark by can you beat Alabama right now because that's just tough to do. But I don't think you're going to beat Alabama by doing what Alabama does because Nick Saban's the master at that, and you're not going to do it better than he does. That's why none of his assistants usually have beaten him because they do a lot of the same stuff he does, and it doesn't work. So that was just a long way of saying I wanted to know if other people felt that way that Tennessee – it's not like it's Vanderbilt or something like that or Arkansas or Mississippi State where you have to go weird in some ways to win. But you you got to be just a little bit different, right? Well, you do, and you can choose to do that. Like a lot of programs out there that have the choice as to how they want to operate. They could do anything they wanted to. They could get any kind of personnel they wanted to. They are choosing to do that. I mean, Alabama themselves are kind of choosing to mold their offense a little bit more in that way. Oklahoma is choosing to do that. The biggest knock in Athens, Georgia right now, the biggest thing that they're waiting to see, the giant question mark, is is Georgia going to choose to do that? And so if that's the way that a lot of programs with options are choosing to go, certainly if you have more limited options, I would, yes, I would look at it that way. Because what I think it does, Wes, is it takes, it takes one of the elements that you're a long way from having an equal footing on, and that is just pure size, strength, physicality, and it can somewhat neutralize it. You can never totally neutralize that in the sport of football. But if you go back, for instance, to take that Ole Miss game last year and watch it, Ole Miss doesn't have fractionally the kind of roster that Alabama has, but there are ways when you use that entire 53 and a third yards east to west, there are ways where you can somewhat neutralize that or you could put yourself in a puncher's chance situation, even though roster for roster, star rating for star rating, it's not even comparable. Now, you got to be able to stop molasses in December defensively in order yeah. to have a shot, which they couldn't do. Yep. But I think that 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 was the most uncomfortable that that Alabama team was the entire season last year. They played Ohio State, and it wasn't like that. Uh, they played Georgia. It wasn't like that. Because eventually, they could outscore them. Man, Ole Miss said, we're going to be here. We're going to hang half a hundred on you. You may hang half 120 on us, but we're hanging half a hundred on you. And it's just, it's kind of fun to think about if Tennessee were able to get traction, if Josh Heupel's offense was able to get traction like that, and all of a sudden, when that Bama game's rolling around, they play Georgia every year too. When that Georgia game's rolling around, to at least make those guys have to sweat, at least make them know, oh, may have to have 35 or 40 this week in order to beat those guys. Yeah, and you know what's interesting about that is you bring that up, that point up because we we don't have time on here to discuss nearly as many Tennessee players and you know position groups as I'd like to because I could talk ball all day, but we're we're not going to make the people listen to that. Uh, so so I'll, I'll break it down to just a few things here. Uh, one would be, you know, you talk about that Ole Miss game and how uncomfortable you know Ole Miss made Alabama, and you think about games like that in the past. One of those common denominators is you have a quarterback who is really pulling the strings. You know, obviously you got to run the ball, you got to do a lot of things that way, but you got to have a quarterback that makes the other team uncomfortable. And and right now if you're a Tennessee fan, um, or if you're not a Tennessee fan, you've been watching NFL preseason games and you're thinking, "Man, who the hell that Josh Palmer guy? Why why wasn't he bigger at Tennessee? Look how good he is." That Marquez Callaway, man, did you see those touchdown catches? Dude, that dude, that dude's awesome, man. Why didn't I know much about him, you know, at, at Tennessee? Jawan Jennings, man, look at all these plays he's making for the 49ers. I know he made a couple big plays at Tennessee, but, man, this guy's a stud. Why was he picked in the seventh round? And, and, and the denominator for all those things 
I would hazard a guess, is the quarterback play. If you're not going to be consistently good at quarterback, nothing on offense is going to be as good as it should be. And, and so am I oversimplifying it there? Because I know that quarterback play has always been important. But it just seems to me like when you look at some of these Tennessee receivers now, what they're doing at the next level, these are guys who some of us who watch them in practice every day for four years said, guys, these guys are that good. They are that good. They just haven't. I mean, Will Muschamp said when Jawan Jennings and Callaway were seniors, he was like, "We haven't covered those dudes in four years." I, you know, of course they had a big game because we've never covered them well. But I think what I'm trying to say here is, am I overplaying how important that quarterback position is in terms of how what you need to do to compete right now? No, I, I think in our world, a lot of times you get scared of going with the lowest hanging fruit and so you want to avoid it and you think to yourself oh everyone knows quarterback's important I want to talk about tight ends I want to talk about something other than quarterback if you're the smartest person in the room you ought to be talking quarterback 80 percent of the time man that's the name of the game today more so than it's ever been and it always kind of has been but there's another data point Wes you don't even have to start with Tennessee how long did we watch superstar receivers come out of LSU and shine in the NFL and we see them on Sundays and you go why, why, didn't this guy, where did he play? Why he played at LSU? I didn't even hardly hear about him in college. Yep. Unless you followed recruiting, you didn't. All you saw is you saw in a 17 to 14 narrow game, either way, you saw them with some nice stalk blocks out on the edge. And that's where LSU wide receivers shined. And then they go to the league and they got 1,200 yards receiving by week 13. And you say, wow. And here's the added benefit guys got a lot of tread on his tires because. I don't even think his receiver's gloves are broken in in college. Yes, yes, that's absolutely it. And that's a huge recruiting tool. I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure out that's a huge recruiting tool as well. And it's also in the transfer portal age. It's an added benefit because you can find receivers that are freshmen or sophomores who have been underutilized, and you can tell them you don't have to wait until the NFL for people to realize you were underutilized. You know, you still got half of your college career. And I don't know what those fools are doing over there, but here at Tennessee, look at what we're doing. It's a video game. We're throwing the ball all over the place. So come over here. So you can replenish your roster pretty quickly. And receivers, especially in Hypel's system, I guarantee you, he'll bring in some freshmen next year that will be on the field. They'll be able to get those guys acclimated and on the field really quickly. Yeah, and, and I, I think all of that gets a whole lot easier, you know, as you said, if the guys throwing the ball to them are doing a good job. And and, and right now, I mean, Tennessee's not admitting who's, who the quarterback is. If they know, they're not saying. Um, but I think it's been pretty clear. If you're there at practice on a daily basis, I mean, they've shut things down a little bit for, for media to watch this week, but we're still talking to people. And the first few weeks of camp when we could see things, it was pretty clear Joe Milton was the most talented guy out there. Now, Hendon Hooker is a talented guy. Harrison Bailey is a talented guy. Uh, Joe, the other dude's he's different. He's different. Joe Milton III is a little bit different. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen a quarterback who's a legit 6'5", a legit 250, runs the way he runs and can throw the ball like, you know, 80 yards in the air. There was one time, and Josh, I don't know if you've heard this story yet, but Tennessee's um, Tennessee was doing a scramble drill uh, this year in preseason camp, and one of the, the younger receivers or backs, you know, kind of started to curl in a little bit at the end of the scramble drill. And afterward, Milton brought him over and said, hey, man, no big deal, but you don't ever have to come back during a scramble drill. <laughs> Just keep going. And, and the guy looked at it like, what are you talking about? He goes, man, I can throw the ball 80 yards. Just keep going. I'll get you the ball if you're open. 
And when you hear things like that, is it kind of impossible not to get a little bit excited? I just want to be able to live life like that. I just want to be able to look at random coworkers when they hand me a piece of paper and say, look, just keep going. And then they look at me like I'm a psychopath, but that's okay. Cause it still makes you feel like the baddest man in the room to be able to tell random people, just keep going. Just yeah. Don't worry. I can throw it 80 yards. Just keep going. Yes. It's exciting. It's very exciting. Now here's the follow-up question. Of course, if you can throw it 80 yards, can you also throw it accurately eight yards? Yep. So I'm over on the site. I'm, I was actually reading, I think your report yesterday or this morning rather. And I was, I was very encouraged, not by how far he can throw the ball, but how well they have thought his accuracy has been. Cause that was the million dollar question for me coming out of Michigan. I remember, I remember reading similar practice reports this time last year. And there were people whispering the name Cam Newton around Joe Milton in Ann Arbor. And all of a sudden he gets in a game and that man's going Nolan Ryan on five yard drag routes. And it's just, it's apparent he doesn't have the touch and the underneath accuracy, which rendered a lot of their offense uh, pretty, pretty stagnant. And so if he's got that element to his game and it figures that some guys do progress and develop and get better, if he's got that element to his game, I'm not so sure given the way Tennessee schedule starts. I mean, I'm not so sure that you're not looking at the potential on the high end for an early season surprise team. It doesn't mean that they're going nine or 10 wins deep this year, but you have a manageable early portion of that schedule where you, you don't face an Alabama in week two. You don't face a Georgia in week three. You can get the feet under this offense. And if it gets rolling, then you just let the, you let the chips fall where they may at that point. Yeah, I think that that's the interesting part. And, and you know, in, in fairness to Milton, he did have two torn thumb ligaments uh, when he was at Michigan. And, and I'm not sure that the way Michigan likes to play offense, I'm not sure that's a seamless fit for what he wants to do. And sometimes – a, a, just a, a, a new environment can change a guy. So I, I'm not predicting that he's going to go out there and shock the world, but I, I do think people probably need to keep an eye on him because he's one of those guys that, that if he, you know, and you can say this about anybody really, but he's really one of those guys that if he figures it out, look out because I, I, I've done my best to avoid using the words Cam Newton and camp. But when you look at him physically, because I remember um, I'm old enough to have covered Cam Newton when he was in college and thinking that is a defensive end who's playing quarterback. And, and I don't know that I've had that feeling that many times until the first time I saw Milton in practice and went, oh, my God, who is that? Like the first day Cade Mays saw Joe Milton, he assumed it was a new defensive end who had transferred <laughs> in. He really he was like, why well, don't I know that guy in recruiting? Like, am I going to uh, – he's going to be tough to block every day. Oh, wait, that's my quarterback. And it's kind of funny because you just you don't think about it in things like, terms like that. Before I ask you about predictions for the season and we get out of here, Josh, the one thing in terms of players to watch at Tennessee, I'm, I'm wondering when you're going into the season, players that you're looking for, because I'm going to throw a couple names out there. I'm going to throw out the name Tyon Evans, who I think a lot of people in college football are going to know by the end of the season if he stays healthy. I think he's a really, really good running back. And I think Byron Young, the edge rusher, uh, that, that came out of JUCO, in addition to being one of the best stories that you're ever going to hear, the, the guy's a walk-on in junior college who, uh, you know, he, he's working as a manager at a Dollar General store. He sees a pamphlet for a junior college, wa you know, walk-on to Georgia military. He says, oh, why not? I'll try it. Makes the team. Then they go through a COVID year. But Tennessee sees him in practice or film and goes, who the hell is that guy? And he ends up getting to Tennessee, and now all of a sudden – uh, no one's blocking him on a daily basis. He's just getting after it. He's a grown man out there playing. So those are the two guys on the list, maybe Jalen Hyatt too, that I'm looking forward to watching. Jimmy Callaway, a kid I like a lot, the wide receiver. Who are some guys at Tennessee when the season starts you're going to be interested to watch? 
Yeah, Tyon Evans is right at the top of the list for me. He and, you know, Jabari Small is another guy, but I really I, – I think about them sort of as a tandem in the backfield, but also you have a bulldozer as your quarterback in the backfield. I, it could be as unsexy and as, as you know, rock and hammer as on third and two – just knowing, I mean, you've got guys like Wright and Mays at, at either bookend tackle spot. You've got good options in the backfield. They're versatile. They're flexible options. But then you've also got that Cam Newton fall forward to get a first down ability. You never know, Wes. Like, that's not anything that shows up on a highlight reel. But that's the difference in extending a drive and getting five or six more plays. You know, maybe you get points out of it, but maybe at least you suck another two and a half, three minutes off the clock. You shave maybe a possession off the end of the game for the other side. You just you don't know how those small things impact the game, impact the season, impact where you spend January or late December. And it could all really stem from the fact that you just got enough size at quarterback where, you know, if he starts falling forward, he can gain you a yard and a half that otherwise you wouldn't have had. And that's first down. Move the chains like those are the kinds of aspects I look forward to. In terms of what you think about Tennessee for this season, I know that. You know, we did our, our season predictions piece on Thursday, which would be yesterday as we're recording this, and uh, there's four of us on the staff, and three of us said six and six. The fourth, Ramey, said seven and five, which is interesting that Ramey said seven and five because he's normally uh, – I'm not going to call him the wet blanket, but he is he, – he, he's sort of the, uh, the, the, the grumpy old man sometimes at the staff, and he's the one who's saying seven and five this year. My take was – I see six and six. If I had to go one way or the other, I would say closer to seven wins than five wins. But I think the bottom line is that they have the ability to go out there uh, and surprise some people. And, and I don't think the schedule, this is the most important part, this is as navigable a schedule as Tennessee has had in a while. When you look at Tennessee, because I'm going to ask about the SEC here in a, in a second before we get out of here, but what when you look at Tennessee right now, ballpark it what sort of season are you looking for what what do you think will happen that's where I landed I landed six and six and I I think the two hinge games are going to be that Ole Miss game the week before Bama and then that trip to Kentucky coming out of the bye week I think those are the two hinge games that probably determine you know plus or minus a win there six and six is fair Uh, there would be there would be ways to be happy about that there would be positives to be gleaned from that because it probably means, like we were talking about a little while ago, you've gotten one or one or two of those blip moments, those blips on the radar screen, those spike moments. But then also, you know, that buys you the bowl game, but also it buys you the opportunity to finish the season extremely strong. Because South Alabama and Vanderbilt at home to end the season should send you into December with a two-game win streak. I don't think anyone listening to this disagrees with that, uh, despite what history may say. And so if you get that and you lock up a bowl berth and then you get those extra practices and you're taking all that on the road and recruiting, that's, I mean, that's exciting. I I know we're talking about a different world here than the big boys play in and we should be talking about playoff SEC championship. Well, we can't, but what we can be talking about is year over year improvement. And if you lock up at least a six and six record and you end the season the right way, you go into a bowl game and you finally start to have a good taste in your mouth when a Tennessee football season ends instead of what we have had, well, then I think you unlock a lot of doors in the future. In terms of where you see sort of the SEC East and West going into the season, are, are you one of these um, – are, are you one of the guys thinking, you know, that, that that Bama will just refresh like it always does and run away with the West? and Or, or where do you stand on maybe LSU going into this season? You know, A&M I think is a team that not 
you know, A&M kind of always sneaks up on people sometimes because, you know, it's it, 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 it's in Texas and it's not the, the other UT. And, you know, they just somehow go under the radar a little bit. But they're bringing back a hell of a lot offensively. Got to get a new quarterback in place. But everything else is is there. And, and Texas A&M's quarterback, by the way, is the one that Tennessee's former staff did everything it could to land because that's how much they loved Haynes King, thought he would be just uh, an unbelievable Heisman caliber player, just loved him, really wanted to get him. Uh, what do you think about when you look at the West and then you look at the East in, in terms of, you know, we know Dan Mullen can coach, um, but Georgia's got a better roster this year. So wh- where, where do you see things shaking up with, with those with those two divisions? The East is pretty cut and dry for me. I. I, I don't know. If you want to be the most contrarian person in the room, I still don't know how you find a path other than Georgia over there. I'll say if there is a result other than Georgia winning the East, uh, you're going to have headline city come December because that's going to be a very uncomfortable time in Athens, GA. You got your best quarterback you've had in there. You got your best shot at a title and can't even win the division. That'd be, that'd be fascinating to watch. But in the West, West, I think it's very competitive. No, I do not think at all. It's, a, it's an Alabama runaway with anything. I, um, you know, over the years, if you've listened to Saban, which we all have at this point, you kind of learn how to interpret his tone and his moods. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's become more and more forthright and less guarded with what he says in his press settings over the last several years. So he'll just flat out tell you, as he has, I'm not, I'm, I'm not loving where we're at right now. I think we got a lot of guys who need to get their mind in the right place. And that is juxtaposed to this time last year where he was calling it the best collection of guys he's ever had. And so um, I think that there's going to be a time early in the year where people's minds have to be taught how to think about this team because there's going to be the expectation that it's just a seamless carryover. It's Xbox. It's just year over year. It's just Bama. Well, no, it's not. It's, it's individual players wearing an Alabama uniform, and each one of them has to take on a life of their own, and each team has to take on an identity of its own. There's going to be a time early in the year. Maybe it's against Miami. Maybe it's on the road against Florida where they get popped in the mouth and they taste their own blood for the first time. And that offense isn't just clicking like it's supposed to. And it's 10 to 10 going into the half. And you're saying, what's happening? Well, what's happening is you're replacing your entire offense. That's what's happening. Now they've got the kind of defense they haven't had in several years, but all that does is mean you can win competitive games. I don't think it's going to be blowout city wire to wire. I think that that game, that Bama at Texas A&M game is fascinating. I think Ole Miss with their ability to score coming into Tuscaloosa is fascinating. I, um, I got Bama winning the West. I think they're the best team in the West, but there's a big difference in Bama winning the West the way they did last year versus having a couple of knockdown dragouts in the process. And the other thing, Wes, I, I have a model that I run all this stuff through to spit out what my predictions are. Our model has A&M 11 and one. And so even if they don't win the West at 11 and one, You've got that whole can two teams from the same division make the playoff conversation going on at the end of the year too. Yeah, and uh, you know we, we saw them on the outside looking in last year, and that would they'd be right there again. I think the committee would be hard pressed to do it to them twice in a row if that were the case. But the the the, the place the East gets interesting is is, um, is in the place where nationally speaking they there won't be as much attention, which is sort of behind Georgia, maybe in Florida there, because you've got anywhere from like three to six there. That could go a lot of different ways. Um, and so that that's probably much more interesting to people of those particular fan bases, more so than like nationally, because none of those are playoff teams or anything or playoff contenders. But where things get you, – you go three to six there, there's a lot of 
there's a lot of weird stuff going on there. That could go any number of ways, and I think that'll be interesting to watch. But, Josh, before we get out of here, last thing, um, just let people know sort of where they can get your stuff because I you've been such a wonderful addition to our network, and you know the, the late kick's been such a fun thing to to, to watch and, and 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 to listen to. If you if you can't actually see it, you can still listen to it and, and the stuff on YouTube. Just just let let it, let people know where they can get your stuff because I think people will really like it. Yeah, no, man, I appreciate it. It's been a really it's been a huge blessing to be here, man. For people who don't know, I used to do a show down in Columbus, Georgia, totally independently. Wes Rucker was on the show. I don't even know if you remember that, but I you do. were on the show a few times. I do, and some twenty four seven guys were on the show, and man, we were in a broom closet. So. Yes, it's like another world being here. But it's it, so we do late kick live Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday night. It's eight Eastern, seven Central. It's on the 24 7 Sports YouTube channel. We put a lot of extra video out there. Anywhere you get podcasts, we also make it into a podcast version. It's the late kick with Josh Pate, Twitter and Instagram at late kick Josh. I mean, we have a lot of fun with that. It's, it's basically, Wes, created to be a world where if the rest of the places you go aren't giving you just college football, they're mixing in some of that extracurricular stuff. This is the one place I can assure you, you can go where you just get the stuff you want and nothing you don't. That's, that's a, you know what, that, that's a, that's a pretty good, that's a, that's a pretty good way to put it because I think sometimes, uh, at least on our podcast, uh, I, I, I still will talk about things people don't want to talk about sometimes because they interest me. <laughs> so it's nice. It's <laughs> nice that somebody out there is uh, is thinking of the people and not themselves. So uh, way to be way to be selfless. It's the late kick with the selfless selfless Josh Pate. So Josh, man, thank you so much for your time this morning. I know that we've been looking forward to doing this, and uh, we'll we'll see if we can get you on a little bit more during the season, man. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it, Wes. That was my conversation with Josh Pate. And guys, if I can find that button, I believe that'll just about wrap us up for this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Thank you certainly to Josh for joining us. And thank you all of y'all out there for listening. We always say it, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you want to find all of us on Twitter, I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. If you just want Tennessee news on your feed, nothing else. As Josh Pate said, you want just everything you want, nothing you don't want, go to twitter.com slash govols247 for that. You can just get all Tennessee news all the time there. You can also go to facebook.com slash govols247, a page that we update throughout the day, all day, every day. You can get tons of stuff on there. But the best place to get that most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water right from the tap is at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, all kinds of good stuff going on with those guys right now and what they're going on with recruiting and their transfer portal additions and the fall series and stuff coming up, all kinds of good stuff there. Also, uh, Lady Vols coverage with the award-winning Maria Cornelius, who does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all the time. You can get all of that, all of that, plus access to two forums uh, we got the checkerboard and we got the summit, which run around the clock, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you can go there anytime you want, discuss anything you want, as long as it's not political or religious in nature, with Tennessee fans across the world and with us, the staff. We are there all the time. We're there updating everything you want. You, you want to ask us a question about the Vols, the SEC, college sports, uh, anything else, barbecue stuff. If you you know what, what what how the stuff you plant in your yard this year, what's it look like? You know, your neighbor next door is bothering you. How do you handle that? We got all kinds of stuff that we're talking about all the time there at GoVols247.com. And we offer you all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. And that's after a seven-day free trial to get you started. And if you stick around, you're paying us less than one mediocre lunch per month, and you get all of that. That's a, a couple dozen 
on average, fresh content items per day. All kinds of stuff. All Tennessee sports all the time. So much good stuff. And if you pay us that rate, which is less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which used to be CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount Plus. That's the streaming platform uh, of us there at CBS Viacom. You get everything you want from uh, – you get all the sports that you want. You know, SEC sports. You get uh, NFL, PGA Tour, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, fresh movies all the time. Old classic movies there all the time. You get all like every show CBS has ever made commercial free. Got tons of new stuff like the the Evil, which is a Paramount Plus show that a lot of people love. Uh, you get Picard, all those other Star Trek things. You get all of that and stuff from the access uh, access from the stuff of, of the vaults of of uh, let's see here MTV, BET, Comedy Central, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon for the whole family. All of that. That's a one hundred plus dollar annual value in your pocket that we will give you for free, no questions asked. No one else can do that for you. We can. So go to GoBalls247.com and check it out. If nothing else, guys, you should hear from us by Monday unless there's breaking news uh, coming up uh, this weekend, although I think there's going to be some breaking news this weekend. But uh, you will hear from us by Monday at the latest. So until then, guys, be safe. The virus is out there. Uh, Get that vaccine. Be safe. Distance. Be good to each other. See ya.